What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Antler Up podcast, and we are on episode 34, and we are joined by a very special guest today, Jason Red of Timber Ninja Outdoors. And uh, man, we had a fun and exciting conversation with Jason, uh, where we got into a bunch of different things, talking about fitness and that, how that relates to uh, improving his hunting, as well as um, just you know being a better hunter in the backcountry, from you know his uh, nutrition to hydration, his whitetail setup. We get a little bit uh, talking about uh, also what Timber Ninja is about and what they offer. And one really cool aspect too of the podcast in this uh, interview, we talk a little bit about like soaking in uh that hunting experience like each time you go out there so jason was an, an amazing individual uh and it was a pleasure to have on and talk to him and i hope you enjoy as much as uh, we did talking to it so uh make sure uh you check out timber ninja outdoors uh and what jason and his two buddies over there have going on some great dudes some great products and uh, really really happy uh to to build that friendship and and have him on so I want to also just say a big thank you to all of you for the continued support, uh, downloading the the podcast, leaving reviews, checking us out on all of our YouTube uh, channels. We're throwing out some new like unboxing videos. I just did a, a pack dump from our Utah tr- trip, uh, and and uh, you know obviously a, a big thank you to all of our amazing partners, uh, and uh, be sure to check them all out over at antlerupoutdoors.com. And I know we're going to have some fun and, and exciting new stuff coming up uh, regarding with some of the, our partners for some giveaways and just some some new products that that I can't wait to share with you guys. Um, and, you know, so <laughs> happy September, man. It's finally here. And uh, so I know some of you will be chasing elk. So best of luck to all of you and maybe getting after in the whitetail down in Kentucky. Uh, so those of you that are doing that, best of luck. I can't wait to see those trophy pitch pictures, uh, man, for all the hard work that you all are putting in and, and going to achieve this upcoming season. And those of you, I know a lot of you are going to be using Onyx and uh, a helper that was for us when we were out in Utah and obviously even here in Pennsylvania and no matter where we're going, like I'm planning a Tennessee trip in October. Uh, so I'm already looking at the maps now for that as well. And man, for just 30 bucks for what you could get, uh, it, you are getting a lifesaver there in the, in the woods. You could download that offline maps. They're going to be doing some new upgrades to it with 3D beta coming out soon. So be on the lookout for that over at onyxmaps.com and download that number one hunting app. And again, talking about our clothing from from last week, uh, talking about the the wick hoodie, you know, the other piece of gear that stood the test of time that was phenomenal racking through the sagebrush was the men's guide light pants uh, from First Light. Were, not only were they extremely comfortable because of how hot it was, again, it was a high 80s, uh, and they, I never was uh, like too hot. I was never cold. Uh, they were the do-all. I, I even wore the obsidian pant one day, and it was just they were actually too warm uh, for what I was doing. But, man, those those guide light pants, the new ones, the fit was phenomenal, great. And uh, I actually had a good thing I brought my belt with me because from hiking around, I was losing – a little bit around the waist uh, line, so that was a good thing. But man, they're comfortable, and I I'll definitely be wearing those early on in the season uh, here for for whitetail. So amazing products again with awesome people behind it behind the scenes, and uh, go check out all the items that we wear over at FirstLight.com. And although we did not get an opportunity to uh, sling a, a Sever 2.0 broadhead down 
uh, on a mule deer, but man, I'll tell you what, it was fun sighting those things in because we didn't have to do anything. We just put those things in practice mode. No other broadhead on the market does that. So, uh, check out severbroadheads.com. Uh, with the new design, you're getting 14% more or 15% more e- efficient penetration, uh, than, than the old ones. And, uh, man, we, we were psyched about them last, the past two years. And, uh, you know, I can't wait to, to unload one on, on something this year. So make sure you check out severbroadheads.com. And again, talking about America's best bowstrings, man, those things held up amazing on the backcountry. And like I said last week, you know, Western hunters, man, they don't baby their gear and those strings perform phenomenal. Same thing with my Stokerized stabilizer and, um, and man, that, that new M1 series being that micro diameter about being a little bit lighter was a big help uh, carrying that bow around. So make sure you check out all those. And, uh, you know, Dimitri and I shooting Cobra releases. Again, just great people. Uh, love working with uh, all our partners. And make sure you check out, you know, stokerize.com, America's Best Bowstrings.com, Cobra Archery dot com as well some new and exciting stuff coming from them so i can't wait to, to share some of that stuff with you as well tired of rambling I, <laughs> I i know it's it's a long one but hey again thank you so much for all of your support it truly means the world to me and uh man it, it's it's amazing that we have this opportunity to meet new people talk hunting so enjoy this one with jason red over at timber ninja outdoors thanks for listening till next time antler up uh, but hey, everybody. So welcome back. We are live for another episode of the Antler Up podcast. And on the other line today, we have Jason Red with Timber Ninja Outdoors. Jason, how you doing, man? Man, I'm doing pretty good. Thanks for having us on. Just lovely day here in the mountains of Western North Carolina. That's awesome, man. Well, thank you so much again for taking the time out to uh, talk to us. And, uh, you know, before we dive into everything, Jason, tell us a little bit who you are and, uh, like you said, coming from North Carolina. So talk about, too, like where you grew up. Well, I actually grew up in Arkansas, the Mississippi Delta. Um, I moved to the mountains of West North Carolina in 2009. Uh, you know, I've been hunting pretty much my whole life. I mean, I've been getting drug around since I was three or four. My grandfather was a big hunter and uh, always drug me around. And I started deer hunting, uh, you know, on my own at seven, you know, just getting dropped off and, always done a lot of hot hunting and uh, got into uh, competitive endurance sports at an early age, like in my twenties. So I raced bicycles all around the country, did ultra running, uh, rock climbing and all over North America and uh, surfing. So, I mean, really just do a lot of adventure stuff, man. I love being outdoors and chasing adventures and, um, you know, the hunting aspect, I get to, I get to chase all these adventures, but also get to bring back something you're going to put in the freezer, you know, so that's a benefit. You know, you go, you go climb, climb a big mountain, you know, there, there's only those memories, which are awesome, don't get me wrong, uh, and those experiences because, you know, the places they take you to, but you don't put any meat in the freezer. So it's hard to like, um, it's hard for adventures like that to like, you know, be full circle. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, so we, I, I mix it up, but yeah, man. Uh, and I, you know, I live up here and, uh, Asheville, North Carolina, which is, um, in the Appalachian mountains, you know, some of the larger mountains, I guess, uh, east of the Mississippi. So great place to be, man. Um, what, what I think is pretty cool, Jason is, you know, looking at your website and just doing a little bit of background on you, uh, you know, and coming from that endurance, you know, lifestyle that, that you were doing at a young age and, and, 
that you continue to do. Um, I, I read your article on your website of getting uh, fit for, for mountain hunting. And I like on there how you talk about, you know, you don't have to, and you could talk to other people and they say, oh, you don't got to be in shape to, to be a good hunter. And, and we know that. I think most people know that. However, it does help. I know, um, you know, talk a little bit about how that's kind of transitioned from like for, for you, even whether it be now or when you were younger, how, how that kind of has helped you uh, in your hunting situation. Well, um, I mean, growing up, you know, I, I grew up in a flat country and, I'm not going to say my family was very fit and exercise oriented, but I, I got into uh, sports. So I didn't know. I mean, I just, it is always I huffed and puffed and walked around. <laughs> and then I got into um, endurance where I got into running. Uh, and the reason I got into running was to impress a girl that was running a 5K. So I trained with her. And that led me into doing triathlons, into uh, road racing all over the country, into, you know, like where I'm at now. And man, it definitely, uh, definitely makes your life a lot easier. Um, but you know, like I think I've maybe said in an article, I can't recall, but I've said it a few times is you can fake fitness for about a day. Uh, <laughs> but if you're, do, if you're doing an extended hunt, it just, it just get it just beats you down. You know, like you, you guys, I know, I think you guys are going out to Utah and I can't remember if y'all been out there before, but you know, when you're living off your back for, multiple days and lugging around getting up and just grinding it you know elevation um altitude uh you know it just starts to wear on you and i've I've heard stories because most of my hunts out there have always been with one of my buddies that was you know essentially equal fitness so like I, i haven't had any bad experiences with other people but i've just taken other people like deer hunting in the mountains and stuff and for a week and you know they're good to go uh, for a day or so. I mean, some of these guys are great. Like they're cross, you know, I took a guy that was a CrossFit uh, athlete and he just, he used to have that endurance and, you know, fitness plays a, a part. Um, but also you just got to have that grit, you know, to kind of get yep. you through, um, a really good example of that uh, is a guy that I, I'm a, I'm an obsessive, um, want to be sheep hunter and a, a guy that's, a, you know, in his, I'm, I'm, I'll just turn 40 and he's a little bit younger than me, but you know, in my opinion, he's one of the best sheep hunters uh, of our age right now. Tyler Friel. I don't know if y'all listen to Thunder Talk podcast, Yeah, but, but Tyler's no like role model of fitness, but dude goes on solo sheep hunts, 30 miles in packs, 90 pound pack out by himself. And you know, he just gets it done. That's grit. So, but I would imagine if he was, you know, in, in better sh- shape you know even having that grit that experience would be better so i mean it is definitely important to if, if you're going to be a mountain hunter uh and you want to have a really good experience on some of these longer hunts to prepare for it and just get your body ready because it's not about all packing weight it's just more endurance you know like it's a marathon on a sprint essentially yeah well that's what i always tell a lot of people you know you can get in the gym and do a million push-ups and a million pull-ups and bench press 500 pounds but that's not going to translate to what you're doing out in the woods you know if, if you can't just throw that pack on your back and just go up and down hills then you know all that work out in the gym is not going to really benefit you much so you know <laughs> yeah. no, no matter what your physique is it's it's just doing the things that you need to do to be a good hunter you know and, and train yeah. specifically to the type of hunting that you're going to do 
Yeah, I agree, man. I think, um, you know, if you want to do well in the mountains with a pack, you just got to go out and climb in the mountains with a pack and do it and do, and do a lot of it. I, 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 I'm not big on like putting a lot of weight on, uh, you know, most of my stuff's 30 to 40 pounds, but then I will like throw a few days in, especially before I get close to a trip, I'll throw some heavy weight in there, like 60, 65 pounds just to kind of get my hips ready for it, you know? And if you've ever packed a, a elk out or, you know, even in these mountains, like packing out a, a boned out white tail buck by yourself, I mean, it's just going to suck. You know, like <laughs> yep. there's no way around it. I, uh, I had a cycling coach tell me one time that he said, it doesn't matter how much better you get fitness wise. The suck's going to be the same. You're just going to go faster. And, and so that's, you know, that's a good thing to think about. Like it's never going to be a cakewalk, you know, because yeah, <laughs> exactly. you're going to go harder. Um, so, but it's good, man. That's, that's the main reason I really get so excited about those types of hunts. Like it, to be honest with you, if it was just, I mean, I went through this stage and I took a little break from hunting for a little bit because I kind of grew up doing some public land stuff. Um, and then I, I did a little bit of private land for a little bit and it was just riding your four wheeler to the stand and walking and climbing the stand and getting the deer out. And I just lost interest in that, to be honest with you. Um, but when I was able to combine all these like activities together and have this really good, wholesome experience where you have that stuff is that's, um, that, that's what really just gets me stoked. I mean, it's like a, I've said a few times, I, you know, like my style, I, like, if it's not an adventure, I really don't want to go do it, you know? Exactly. Um, yeah. But it, you can find them anywhere, man. Have a look. Well, that's it. I, I remember my first deer, I was 13 and, and I shot it and the first day of rifle season, it was a little four point and I was all jacked up and first deer yeah. I ever put on the ground. And, you know, my dad was with me and we walked up to it and he goes, this is the only deer I'm going to gut to watch what, what I'm doing. And then as soon as he was done, he, he, that was back in the day, they just throw a rope around the neck and he said, you know, take it back to the house. And we were three quarters of a mile, maybe a mile back in the woods. And, you know, and I'm like, man, it's all uphill. This is going <laughs> to suck, you know, and you didn't really realize the work, you know, just starts after you put that, that deer down, you know, you get all excited and, you don't realize what's what's in front of you, especially at a young age. Oh man, I know. Isn't it so weird? Like people out west have been packing animals out for years, and the east, and especially the southeast, like it's really just a new thing. Like um, I started doing it just because I had to, and that was even before I went out west. I was just like, you know, I killed some deer, you know, like in Ohio, or in the mountains here, and you know, sometimes you know, I'm three maybe four miles back, you're not dragging a deer, especially by yourself that far. And I mean, I, and, and, and don't get me wrong. I have, and I've drugged the hair off of them. Uh, <laughs> and that's just not a good way to go. But, you know, and I know some states you still, you still got to pull them out, but the majority of them seem to be switching over, especially because I guess of like C, CWD and stuff like that. So I don't know, but um, it seems like more states are becoming, more open to people packing or, or breaking them down in the field. But the only bad part is you can't get that tailgate picture, you know, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How about like, it? like the quintessential, like Budweiser and a Marlboro cigarette in the back of a <laughs> pickup truck. You can't yep. get that if you, if you pack them out. I know. Well, Jason, you know, talk about what you've been doing to get ready for, um, 
pretty much how, how many days are you going out to Alaska now? Uh, we'll be in the field for 10. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. But total trip is, um, uh, 15 days. Cause nice. we have to drive. We, we're flying into Fairbanks and, and then we're driving up the hall road road, um, and catching a float plane and get dropped off in North Brooks for 10 days. My buddy, uh, Eric lives out in Colorado. And it's, that's who I, I do all my Western hunting with is him. And both of our 40th birthdays were this year. And this is a trip we planned last year to kind of start cutting our teeth in Alaska. You know, it's kind of like the, the startup, but you know, I, I haven't, I mean, I just do, I've been doing my normal, I mean, I worked out a bit, you know, I've, the main thing about being fit and staying fit is it has to be a lifestyle, right? So I, I, I that kind of clicked for me years ago, and it's just I get anxious if I don't work out, you know, once, not if not twice a day. So, like, I'm always doing something, and especially now I'm older, like, I, I still, like, try to stay on top of everything as much as I can and, and even improve my workouts to maybe be more friendly. I, I don't know. I mean, I just kind of listen to my body and what it tells me, but – you know, I've just been doing my same thing, being mountain biking, running, um, lifting weights, jujitsu, whatever, it kind of gets my heart rate up. And But I have been incorporating a little bit more pack work here the last month. We moved to town in September of last year. We were living in the National Forest, so I could, like, walk out my back door, and I was getting three days a weekend uh, with a pack on year-round, just kind of mixing that up with trail running. And uh, But this year, living in town, it's a little bit harder um, so, but I have been doing a little bit more of that the last few weeks, but you know, kind of where we're going, man, in that tundra and we're having a base camp, you know, I'm, we're just going to be, you know, running out of there. So, you know, we're getting dropped off on a plane. So it's not like at this point, I don't feel it's like, um, it's as, uh, involved as like a trip out West can be, or even right. here, here at home, you know? That's awesome. I, I keep going. Cause that's something where like, I'm just in visualizing, like I'm visualizing like what you are about to embark on. Yeah. I mean, I've tried to watch as much, much videos as I can on people hunting the North Brooks kind of get an idea of the terrain. But you know, even if you ask the charter, they can't really tell you where they're going to drop you off until a few days before because they have to find out where the herd is, you know? Right. Um, but, but everything I've seen is just like tundra. And I talked to, uh, Tyler Frill about it, you know, obviously he's done that hunt a lot. And he, the way he told me, he's like, man, don't let the tundra fool you. He's like, five miles in the tundra is going to be five miles as tough as any mountains you climb. He says it's, it's an awkward, um, type of terrain. So, right. you know, I'm ready for that. But, you know, it's not like, a, you know, unless we knock something down, I'm not going to be lugging around, you know, 40, 50 pounds of, um, backpack gear. Uh, so, We'll see, man. Like, um, it's just really hard to determine, like, what, you know, the weather patterns for this time of year are usually like 40s at night and uh, 60s in the day. But I've seen guys out there hunting this same hunt that it's 15 and wind blowing, you know. So, like, packing your gear and the reality is, you know, most guys um, in, in, in the lower 48, no matter what type of backcountry hunt you're doing in that region, you're no more than a day's hike from getting out. You know, I can strap on 50 pounds and I can get out. I can get 20 miles a day easy, you know, like if I push it. So like 
even if I'm 20 miles back, which is kind of ridiculous, you know, especially if you're hunting elk, like you're not going to pack an elk out 20 miles <laughs> by any means. Yep. Uh, so, so in reality, you're, you're usually no more than five to 10 miles really in the back country. So you can get out of there easy a day, but when you get dropped off on a plane, like you got to think, ah, oh, you know, I got to have everything I need, you know? Yep. <laughs> like, um, so, I mean, it's not like overwhelming, but it is the reality of what goes on. And, uh, you know, food, I mean, I've, I've, I've done enough backcountry stuff over the years, you know, from climbing and hunting that I feel confident, but it's new, you know? Yeah. Um, so we'll see. I think and my buddy, you know, he's been doing it. He's been hunting the backcountry in Colorado for nine years. So he's pretty solid. And honestly, his attention to detail is way better than mine at some of the stuff. You know, I kind of, I go bare minimal and like that. <laughs> it's funny, funny. Like we're, so we're going for 10 days and I, I put 12 days uh, of food just in case, you know, we get stormed in or something. The plane can't come get us or whatever. And, uh, I was like, man, how many days are you bringing? And he said, 14. I said, why? Wow, I'm really going for 10. He's like, dude, we're going up the hall road. You think there's a damn, you know, Wendy's on the side of that thing. And I was like, I was like, I didn't even think about that. So, yep. um, I'm about to scrap another couple of days, you know, for, cause it's about a day's drive up and back the hall road, you know, getting there and back. So, right. And I, from what I hear, that's kind of its own little adventure in itself. So, uh, and that was one of the reasons we booked this specific, um, outfitter that flying us in is because we want, we wanted that hall road experience. Like I wanted to originally, I wanted to go moose hunting, but my buddy, it's a little bit, you know, it's probably double the cost. And, um, and also, you know, I, I've heard everybody's like, if you're going to Alaska to start with caribou, you know, and kind of break yourself in. And so we, we decided just to do that route. Maybe I'll get to do moose next year. Yeah. That sounds awesome though. I know like, um, when you read about it and you just see like the people that, are doing that they just love that opportunity and that trip and just say you know hopefully within the next couple of years they want to do that all over again just because of the experience yeah yeah i mean did y'all see that um did y'all watch the uh full draw film tour yep uh youtube thing yep yeah i think that last where steve from exo mountain yeah. that group when they did that hunt i think that's, that's what I'm envisioning being very similar terrain, I hope, to what we're doing, you know. Uh, and I think where they're flying out of is the same place Bo's flying out of, Bo, you know, yep. Montonic. Yep. I think he's flying out of that same region. We're, we're, we're in a little different region, but I think essentially kind of the same area. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, man, it, we'll see. Uh, it should be fun, man. I, I tell you, if anything, man, after this year, I just kind of want to unplug for a couple of weeks, to be honest with you. <laughs> I know. How about it? And that's, that's the one thing that, too, I said to Dimitri, uh, he and I went out, did some trail cameras uh, last night and did some other stuff. And as we were leaving, I said, hey, do you know what I'm lo- excited for for our trip? He's like, what? I go, that nice high mountain nap, <laughs> you know, just to, <laughs> man, just to know to be disconnected like 100% and just enjoy and take every, like, bird chirp in or whatever every noise and just uh I'm, I'm super super excited for that opportunity yeah yeah no phone service man like that's what i love about the backcountry is you know I, I operate a few businesses and um and just i'm just a kind of a wired person and 
I'm always connected and, and like everything I do from a business perspective involves sales and customer service. So, and I, I try to be the best I can at that. So I'm just always going and I won't cut it off unless I, I can't have access, you know? Right. So like, and I really need it and you know, just, you know, everything that's going on. It's just, it, it's just good not to have any media, nothing, nothing but like, in reach or sat phone. That's all, that's all I need. Yep. And that's what we got going on. We got the, the Garmin Explorer and just, you know, send the, the wives, the <laughs> we're good, we're golden. And, and, uh, hopefully one of us put something down and we could send that message. But other than that, I'm just, uh, we're, I'll be taking our camera and I just wanted to snap pictures and just be kind of connected that route just to film it and, and, uh, yeah. take, take images and photos and, all that. But other than that, it's just going to be just soak it all in because like for me being 33 years old, this is something as a little kid, I've always wanted to do. I always wanted to go out West and that opportunity when for individuals, especially where I grew up in Northeastern Pennsylvania, it always just seemed like it was a pipe dream. And yeah, you know, after starting antler up and talking to Dimitri, we met our, our, a friend that actually I grew up with and I didn't know he's a year younger than me. He's been doing it for many years now and we just got in contact and we decided to let's do it let's make it happen so here we are oh man that's awesome so is this your first trip out west yeah you know? yeah so. oh man that's so cool now i grew up the same way man i grew up really poor in arkansas and i really never went anywhere on vacation uh we went to miami one time and i was like four which i don't remember and uh we went to nashville and everything else was like in Arkansas and like, I, like you, I always dreamed about going and hunting out West. I used to read a bunch of Jack O'Connor yeah. and, <laughs> and, and I read like, you know, um, like Jack London books about, you know, being up North and, and like, I've always been fascinated with that. And when I got the opportunity to go out West for the first time, I think I was 20, um, man, my mind was just blown and I just want to go back as much. I mean, I go every year at least, at least twice I go do a couple different things. Like usually one or two times for my own stuff. And then I, we go as a family to do like ski climb or, you know, do something. And man, it's just, it's so tough to leave it out there because it's just so big. It's hard to put it in perspective, you know? And, um, I tell you what I really enjoy is the, um, the high desert mountains. That's, I want to live in the high desert mountains for, at some point in my life. Um, I've spent a lot of time just out there climbing, but, uh, never hunting in the high desert mountains, but, uh, it's just uh, something about that is also really intriguing. And, uh, no, it's kind of mystical to be honest with you. Uh, I don't want to explain it, but I hear Alaska is like a lot of that on steroids. It's it's just, it's just so big, you know, like, yeah, there's just so much. Yeah. And I mean, even going out West, things are big. What part are you, um, sorry, cut, uh, go different rabbit hole here, but, um, what part of Utah are you guys going to? Like, oh, we're going to the, the Northeast part. So South slope vernal area. Okay. Yeah. I, I, most of my time spent in Utah. I flew in one time to Salt Lake city and we took and drove to Idaho to go climb and then drove back and climbed all through Wyoming. So, uh, I drove, there's a good mix of, terrain out there too you have a lot of big mountains and you have a lot of fast prairie that's just like never ending yeah so like the the southern part of the unit is more desert like 
And then when you uh-huh. get to the northern part, you have Ashley National Forest, which is a little bit more mountain, uh, high country. And that's, I can say this since it's going to be after our trip when this airs. So uh, yeah. we're going to be more in the northern part of the unit. So yeah. going to try to focus on more of the high country area for our trip and try to get away from a lot of the roads and, and a lot of the people as well. Because on the eastern side of the unit, there's a lot of like ATV trails up in the mountains mm-hmm. that people can access. Yeah. Uh, so we are trying to get a far farthest away from those areas as possible. Gotcha. Oh, man. That's awesome. It's, but the, you know, it's going to be weird, though, because... Uh, you know, used to it was easy to get away from people, but now like everybody wants to go way back. <laughs> <laughs> well, we had a, a we had, we had a buddy of ours just uh, send us some pictures of some of his stuff that he has, and it's like a couple units over or the next unit over, and uh, he he always says he puts one like nearby, like almost like as he's quickly going in, and then he keeps going and stuff, and he pulled one that's only like three quarters of a mile from his truck, and this he had five bucks on on this one image and. Two of them, what one out of the two is just a complete like the like for me, it's what you dream about. It's like when you walk into Cabela's and you see the the music, yeah. it's, it's that. Uh, and then there's another one that's like a year away from that. And then there's a forker, and then there's two that you really can't make out, but you know they're decent sized bucks. And you're just like, oh my gosh. And he's like, this one's the one that's close to the road. <laughs> and you're like, holy cow. Uh- Oh man, that's my buddy that lives in Colorado. He's a big mule deer hunter, and one of his favorite units, man. He just rides around with his spotting scope on his window, and like glasses them up, and and then he puts a stock on them out of the truck, you know, essentially. And like some, he he, I mean, it's you don't have to go very far at all. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's crazy. It's pretty impressive. I mean, but like for me, that's not that's not what I'm after, you know, like, right? Um. I'd much rather go have a camp up on top in the Alpine chasing the velvet mule deer and running from lightning storms, you know, like <laughs> that's, uh, that's the stuff that I really enjoy just being out there, you know, um, that's the fun part for me, but man, y'all gonna have a good trip. Well, is that, is that so. bow, bow or rifle? Yep. That's, that's what's archery opener and, uh, we'll be, uh, bow in hand and hopefully one one of us at least get something or at least a crack at them we're we're and the thing about it is we're not going to be very picky we're going to just try to have fun and put some stocks on and uh when the timing's right and if it's a forker it's a forker <laughs> you know and yeah. just kind of experience it and and uh learn from mistakes and go from there yeah man i think i mean that's my way especially with a new a new endeavor is like yep. i'm not going to be you know like yeah i used to get caught up in that like trying to show people something but like now it's like it's just the experience like i have a really good experience and it all comes together sometimes i don't care what i kill you know just if it feels like the right time uh, i'm a little more picky with the whitetails these days although i shot a, a really big doe last year with my longbow that I, a 40 pound like my 40 pound bow that i was really stoked on <laughs> you know got me honestly got me on edge uh but like, you know, with the caribou, it's like, I'm, I'm taking my long bow, but I'm also taking my gun. And if I see a really good bull that's 300 yards and it's not very stalkable terrain, like I'm definitely shooting it. I'm not going yeah. there and saying, I'm just a diehard bow hunter. It's like, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm coming back with something. I don't care if it's legal. Yep. Um, well, 
Well, that's what I think of the, the hard part about social media now is everyone expects these monster, you know, box or, or elk that you're putting on your media page. And, you know, some places that's not just not the case. I, I think if people knew where we came from here in Pennsylvania hunting public land, I mean, geez, you're talking average eight point is maybe 100, 110 10 inches, you know, maybe. So, mm. you know, we're trying to shoot mature, mature box and going after a big box, but you know, sometimes that's just not all the case. So you're not going to see me putting, you know, wall hangers down year after year. I mean, it's just not possible here. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's tough. I mean, where we live here, uh, the national forest that I hunt, uh, that there's 0.4 bucks killed per square mile. So, <laughs> inkling about our deer density. Yeah, I mean we have some we have some good ones. I mean, I, I either usually kill a decent buck or I get on one or two a year. But you know, up here that's about all. I'm, I'm not seeing any more deer than that, though. Right. I mean, I I have to go to like other states. I want to see um, high numbers of deer, uh, and. Uh, but, you know, I like to travel and move around jump state to state every year anyway. So that's, that's part of it. But at home, I mean, it's, it's a rough go. But I'm, I'm with you, man. Like, I think a little bit of that culture changing. Like, I think more people are just stoked seeing people be successful rather than the size, you know. Yeah. I mean, you have those crowds. Don't get me wrong. I mean, there's, there's the crowds that, you know, 140 inch or better. You know, like – and for me, it's like, I don't care about inches. I go by age class, even in out of state. Um, I like to find an older deer. I'm not shooting like two year olds for sure. But, right. Right. Um, but I don't care if he's a, what I really like, is like a, you know, five year old gnarly six point or something. That's what it really gets me going. I, I killed a good buck, uh, 18 up here. You know, he had one eye and he was, he was really big deer. He was, uh, my understanding, like from my tax experiments, he does most. He was one of the bigger deer killed the national forest that year, but he, but he was just scarred up, you know, was missing an eye, and you know he's a big, heavy old buck, but it's just the, the character to him was yep. just there. And if, man, if I if I see that, you know, they, I don't care what their size is, if they come in and acting like they're the boss and beat up and scarred, you know, <laughs> yep. I, I, I want to try to take that guy. Exactly. Now, what else do you uh, hunt down there in, in North Carolina? Do you go after bear or anything? Yeah, uh, black bear and um, turkeys. And I mean, I take my son squirrel hunting and stuff. But that's awesome. That, that's really about it here. And I hunt South Carolina. Start hunting the swamps, South Carolina last year on the coast, and that's pretty fun, man. Like it's not mountains, but it's got its own challenges. Uh, interesting. There's a lot of critters down there, man. Like, you know, have gators and uh, hogs and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, here it's just a, your normal Eastern species. Uh, I like, I like hunting the bears with the bow though. It's fun. Uh, and a bear, you know, they, they taste good. I like eating them. Yeah. That's the one thing that, uh, you know, we've, Dimitri has got, has, uh, shot a bear here in Pennsylvania and actually a really nice big black bear. And, uh, that's the one thing that I'm still chasing at. And it always seems that I see them when they're not in season. <laughs> like it's always like a day or two off. I can never catch that break. Uh, so hopefully one of these days I could put, put that, uh, puzzle together. Man. Yeah. There, I'll tell you, man, I see a lot of bear here. Our bear population is going crazy. Uh, 
Uh, and every year it's just more and more. And I have, I definitely have way more bear encounters than I do deer encounters up here. Um, and I've got, I'm, I'm hosting, uh, Adrian Wilson and, uh, Taylor's supposed to be coming down to bear hunt opening week with me. And, um, I have a, I have a property that I own. It's only private ground that I really hunt. And mainly my son hunts it. I don't really hunt that much, but I do bear hunt, but cause it, it borders a bear sanctuary. Yep. So like I, I get a lot of bears and I've got a couple this year. Just I sent Adrian a picture of one the other day. It's just a, he's just a toad. Yeah, uh, the, the, the one night he and I were, oh man, it was past midnight. We were on the phone together talking and he brought that hunt up and stuff like that. So he was, he's all stoked about that one. I know I, I'd really love to get, I want to get him on a good one. Uh, either one of them, you know, like, you know, if we can kill one good bear that week, I, I'd be really happy. Right. Which I think we should be able to get an opportunity on at least one. But man, they're, they're sneaky little suckers, man. Yeah. Uh, they have some good senses to them. But, you know, it, it's fun when it all works out. They're kind of a pain in the butt to move around uh, in the woods. I did drag one out a couple of years ago with my brother in law out this deep creek bottom just up to the top. And, Man, there's pain in the butt to try to drag. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's dents. <laughs> they're, yeah, like you said, they're just that. Uh, actually, a friend of mine uh, a couple years ago, he got one back where I usually hunt back home, and uh, I went to help him pack that out. And it was just like you said, it, it was just something where, like when I saw that, that was the moment where I was like, man, I definitely want to put one down one day. Yeah, yeah, their hair is so cool. Yeah, I'm looking at one I killed a couple years ago here. I haven't. I've been kicked out of my office, the house, because I got we have a shop for the ninja, and uh, yep. my, my wife's kicking all the mounts out of the house, <laughs> and they're having to go there. I still have a few left here. Well, let's talk a little bit about that, Jason, because I know you know I want to backtrack just that little bit. How you talked about you know you grew up hunting, you did it you know basically your whole life, and then you took time away. What made you kind of like do two things a get back into it and then b decide to to say hey listen like because of where we are at in this day and age right now in 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 the hunting industry you know where did you come up with the idea to create that c1 carbon fiber stick um well i mean you know i I always hunted public land so i was always moving around you know even when at the early age we were doing some creative stuff uh, to get around. But, you know, the, you didn't have the resources like you do now. Like, people, there's a lot of people have always made interesting stuff to fit their style, but it never was a way of, like, selling it. Unless, you know, most hunting companies either, I mean, you had some fab shops that would post up hunting stands and stuff outside their shop during hunting season, you know, feed stores or sell to local feed stores, or something like that you'd see. But, you know, it's not like it's easy day to kind of start marketing a product. You know, it's either that, what I was talking about before, you had to, you know, create an actual company and get into like a big box store that most of us are catalog. Um, and yeah, when I, you know, I, I always hunted, I, even though I, I wasn't serious for a few years, I still was like going out and killing a deer a year for the freezer, or turkey hunting. Like, I, I never really quit turkey hunting. I've always loved turkey hunting so much. Um, but when I started hunting the mountains and going to Ohio and hunting the mountains and stuff, like 
I started really, that's when I really started going deeper in, you know, varying terrain. And it's like, man, like it's some of this stuff that, you know, it's heavy. That's one thing, but it wasn't that bad because I was in pretty good shape. But like I said earlier, like if you do that for five consecutive days, uh, daylight to dark, you know, it gets, it gets old. So, you know, coming up, coming to create something that was lighter weight was, interesting for myself and and also just like packability like how things pack and um i mean you know like tree stands and climbing stands and stuff like that you know if you frame pack them in or even on backpack straps a lot of times the profile is above your head Mm -hmm. or if you slip it the other way you have a seat you know hitting the back of the leg or you know the back of the hamstrings or something it just nothing ever packed very well and in like sticks they they just, you know, even though they were advertised to stack cleanly, you know, that they just would kind of crumble um, once they were jiggled a little bit, even under straps, you know. Yep. Um, so I started coming up with the idea of creating some stuff for myself. Um, and I always wondered why, like, there wasn't really many more introductions of using other materials other than aluminum uh you know they old man tree stands did have a carbon fiber climbing stand at one point and they they were making it overseas uh in europe and i think when they got bought out the new company just it wasn't as streamlined as efficient for them in the manufacturing process okay uh because essentially you know what happens to some of these companies not all is when they get acquired you know the private equity company has to, because most of them are bought by some, you know, private equity venture capitalist company. Um, they have to find a way to make it cheaper. So, you know, a lot of times it ends up going overseas, right? I mean, so even if you have American made product, you know, the easiest way to make it cheaper is to send it to a foreign country and you know, where cheaper labor is. Um, and it's also sometimes easier, like they own multiple companies that are all doing that. Logistically, it makes more sense. So, that was just kind of my understanding maybe why they didn't, you know, keep the carbon fiber with the old man. But anyway, um, but you know, coming from my background in cycling, I, I started racing with aluminum bikes, went to carbon fiber. Uh, I've used all other types of carbon fiber products. So I was just curious why nobody ever had made sticks or lock on tree stands or anything like that out of it. And I started playing with it myself and, it took me a little while to get it dialed to where it worked. I mean, it's also, it's not, it's not very economical um, R and D project by any means. Cause you know, you destroy it 20 inch carbon tube. It's pretty expensive. Whereas, um, you know, you can get 20 inch, 20 inches aluminum tube for, you know, eight, eight or less dollars. <laughs> right, right. You can play with it all you want. Um, I can tell you some of my prototypes that, my original ones, they have a bunch of holes in them just because I was like, well, I'm just going to keep playing and rigging with this thing until it completely fails on me. And uh, it has yet to fail. Uh, that's funny. I'm looking at the original ones I had, and literally I probably have, I don't know, 10 holes in this thing, you know, just from drilling, reconfiguring, placing steps in different places and using different types of steps, stuff like that. And it never did fail. Uh, so, um, and 
you know, when I started playing with those materials, it, it wasn't just necessarily about the weight savings, which, you know, you're able to drastically uh, reduce it. Um, especially for the, you know, let's call it weight per inch, you know, like mm-hmm. you, you, there's people out there making aluminum products today that are a lot lighter than they were um, years ago, but they're a lot shorter. And, um, you know, and I mean, I, you know, it's, it, we've, I've talked on other podcasts about the safety standards and stuff and it's all voluntary. So, you know, you never know, you know, with independent companies that they are actually having outside safety testing, you know, so I mean, there's a lot of factors goes into that, but, but outside the weight, you know, I wanted something that was going to be a little bit quieter. Um, cause you need ding aluminum. Uh, it, it does make some unnatural noise. Oh, absolutely. And also, and then also playing with carbon fiber, you, you find that it doesn't hold, uh, you know, cold, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't absorb the cold. So like if you have cold hands, you grab it. It's not like you're grabbing an iceberg or something, you know, like right. you, you do with your aluminum sticks. So, yeah, and I, I really had no intentions. Well, maybe that's not fair. I mean, like, I would, I've always wanted to be, as a kid, I wanted to be in the hunting industry or do something to be a guide or, you know, I wanted to be a full-time professional hunter. But when I started doing this, I, I had bought a company that I was, it was two years old at this point, and I, I was like, I just really don't want to do this. And then we also have a, an off-grid campground that we – own and operate that keeps us pretty busy and, and just, you know, have an 11 year old kid and just this life. I just didn't really, wasn't focused in the beginning of starting a company, but after all my buddies started seeing the product and playing with them, they're like, man, you really need to bring this to market. And, yep. and then next thing you know, I saw you on the Facebook group posting your prototype and everybody was going nuts about it. Yeah. The, yeah. Originally. And I kept, you know, a lot of people I, I met, um, like through some of these groups that I had shown pictures of them. Like I wasn't really making pictures that much public and they all kept buzzing me too. It's like, man, you should really do this. And, and so fall of last year, uh, me and two of my buddies, I was like, well, you know, if you guys want to get involved, let's, let's do it and do it right. And, um, and you know, like our, our company's not about just, uh, it, you know, we're a mobile hunting products company that is in in this to provide innovative products and keep evolving from where we're at today. You know, and 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 a big part of our ethos is not just making you know badass products. It's it's also to be given back to conservation, to be involved in hunter recruitment, mentorship, and and that's where you see like some of the videos and blog posts that I do. It's just like. I have some experience There's people that have, you know, way more experience than me, but I do have a decent amount of experience in the backcountry, And so does, you know, Jordan and Tyler that we can put together some content like that to help people. Cause there's so many people that want to go do this stuff. And, you know, Jordan and I were talking about it at lunch today. It's like, you know, even going on a elk hunt, like it's pretty overwhelming. Even if you've done it a couple of years, just getting your shit together, yeah. you know, sorry from French, but no. <laughs> um, it, it is a lot to, to get together and man if you think you know like you were talking you haven't been out west before you're saying and and you know if i was 21 years old you know rural arkansas kid never been out west like i, I remember when i first started backpacking man i was carrying cans of 
chili, you know, like, <laughs> uh, like all this stuff. And like now I'm down to, I can, you know, get 3000 calories in and under two pounds a day, you know, and like even how you separate your food, which I'm, I've got a blog post that's releasing another blog this week talking about, um, nutrition for the back country. I'm good. Just in time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I want to get it done before I left. Uh, but you know, like it just helps people, you know, kind of figure that stuff out because it is a little overwhelming. It's like how much, and we were talking about earlier, like outside of your fitness, when you go back there, if you're not properly hydrating and eating, like you're on a bonk and like, it's hard to recover from a bonk, especially in a, a multi-day, you know, expedition. They're like, right especially with the hydration piece because you know the body the body can go a lot longer without food than it can water and that's Um, like because you know i think about it too jason like how you're talking about like getting prepared for for that hunt and like for us in particular (laughs) dimitri rolled up and i show i'm showing him my exo pack and I'm like, dude, I'm like, half of it's all food. <laughs> I'm like, I got to re like, I'm going to go through and kind of my food bags are basically going to get redone and I'm going to make that a little bit more compact and, and stuff. Uh, and I was already planning on doing that, but I'm just like looking at it. I'm like, holy cow. I'm like my, legit this 4,800, you know, cubic inch bag is mostly food. And it's just like seven days of, you know, I have seven, one gallon <laughs> bags and I just like, it's crazy, man. Yeah, you can uh, cut that down. I, I can get uh, nine days out of the that XO thirty five hundred. Yeah, and uh-huh. but but uh, it, it took me a long time to figure that out, man. To be honest, because you know, like if you're if I make most of my um, most of my dinners, I make, um, and when you vacuum seal your own, you, you, the space of like these prepackaged things is like your biggest killer. Yeah. Uh, and so if you do away with that, or I'm sure you've seen the hacks where you just dump all the contents into, uh, from those like Mount house or peak fuel or Heather's choice or whoever, just dump it into either a Ziploc bag before you go. Cause it doesn't have to be airtight when you're just going, you know, going to be eating in a few days. Um, but that kill, that takes up a lot of, that, that does away with a lot of space. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, if you're looking at, nine days so that's you know let's say eight nine it took 16 pounds so there's not many things individually in your pack that weigh over 16 pounds right and, and especially the space they take up that's the big uh, thing is yeah. just is the space right now because i'm like holy cow i'm like the one just if i were to pack the like two you know prepackaged meals like for i don't know even if it's like a brunch type of ordeal and then my dinner and then throw in all the little snackets throughout the day. I'm like, the, that bag weighs insanely amount just for one day. And I'm like, I got to have six more of these. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like as far as like <laughs> the packability goes, like I know it's, I figured out the nutrition side of it. It's like the caloric intake that I need. Um, however, it's just like, man, I, I could do a, definitely a better job packing this one in. Yeah, it's rough, man. Uh, you know, I started using some of those green belly books bars which are like a meal replacement bar have you seen those uh i i i grabbed those uh what do they call like the pro bar um yeah like the meal this one is like this is uh double size uh double caloric intake of that i, I carry those too is like a snack 
but like I use those green bellies, which are third day of nutrition. So I think there's 700 calories. Um, cause I mean, I like, if I'm, I'm not as, you know, if I'm, if I'm out West and I'm doing an elk hunt early season, I'm looking at, you know, from my body weight, I'm six to right around 200 pounds. I like to keep my energy levels up and have that extra oomph if I need to pack something out. Uh, you know, I like to be close to 3000 calories a day Right, is, is good for me. Um, but you know, I'm not doing that on this one cause I don't feel like I'm going to be putting out that much. and It's going to be a little bit cooler, but you still have to stay on top of your hydration, man. Like if, so those green belly bars, I, I'll rotate one or two of those. Sometimes I eat them for breakfast and then, um, then I do my dinners and, and then I, I, I try to eat, a, you know, 200 calories and an hour during the day. It's kind of like in between my, my breakfast, lunch and dinner, you know, I try to keep putting in like a, a goo or uh, jerky or something every hour, just kind of keep my calories up. Well, that's what I think the, the hard part about coming from the whitetail woods is we're so used to getting up and you're lucky if you grab a cup of coffee before you head to the stand. I mean, someone might grab something to eat if they want. And you know, you, you know, you're just, even if you're walking a few miles to your stand, you're not burning a lot of energy, uh, getting to that stand and climbing up and then knowing that you're probably going to go home for lunch or, you know, even if you're sitting all day in the tree stand, you're not burning a lot of calories. So you might have some snacks in your bag during the rut, but you know, so we're not used to keeping those calories going, going into our bodies all day. And I know for me, I, I usually don't eat a lot when I'm hunting, especially for whitetail. So trying to prepare myself to actually force myself to eat throughout the day, just because I know I'm going to need those calories is kind of the, the hard part about going out West for the first time. Yeah. Well, it's just, I'll tell you the easiest way to do it is just, you know, be consistent looking at your watch. I mean, and I learned this from, you know, doing endurance sports like because i had to that was the fuel that kept my body going like and if i'm doing a 50 mile trail race you know that's going to be you know nine plus hours of continuous so like you have to stay on top because if not you're gonna hit the hit a wall you know what they call bonk and and that's just if you've never bonked that's one of the most horrible things in the world to feel it's like you just can't make your body go you can't think think clearly or anything but i'll tell you even on the white tail woods if you do it a week long daylight's dark sit, let's say in Ohio in the mountains. Just being cold, you know, your body's tearing up through a lot of energy just just from sitting on that stand in the cold, like shivering. I mean I mean, they make great clothing out there, man, but I still get a little cold every year, you know, <laughs> like uh, and that body shivering, you know, it's having to generate energy to kinda of keep itself warm and from going into a hypothermic state so like you can do that and i still eat like i carry snacks even the white tail woods but especially what you guys are going to be doing especially with backpack hunting um and another little tip that i recommend is so have your water like i carry it you know i have a, a bladder in my pack which is two liters and then i carry a, a nalgene bottle with a liter of water that i put a hydration mix in like um i, I like uh um, Scratch is a brand I like, or Wilderness Athlete makes a good one that I usually will drink that during the day. And I'll, I'll drink one, um, I'll drink half of one in the morning because I quit drinking coffee. So I just drink a uh, hydration drink. Then I definitely make sure I drink 
one at night with my dinner before I go to bed. Right. Um, you know, if that, if your urine starts, you know, going from clear to murky, like, you know, you're going to start cramping. All things can go south on you, man. And it's easy to let the hydration get out. But also that adds, you know, those drinks also have some calories in them. So that helps pump the calories a little bit too. Right. Right. We'll talk a little bit too, Jason. Cause I mean, I know on your website, you have that video of your kind of even your whitetail pack set up. Uh, we were talking about that even before we, we got into the show a little bit. Um, you know, the one thing that I'll be doing this upcoming season, uh, is changing kind of like, I'm like you, I like changing gear a lot. Uh, and, and, um, when we talk about backpacks, you know, I, I want to have that frame for, for me going in the whitetail woods and I'll, I saddle hunt mainly now. Uh, I'll still get in a stand where, you know, that situation is, is needed basically. Uh, but you know, I like that idea of being able to carry my sticks in the frame or, uh, at, or, and then having that capability to pack out uh, a whitetail if given that situation, uh, and being able to, to pack all my camera gear. Uh, so run us through like your, your striker pack, just because, you know, I know that, like you said, the, you, you went from the EXO to now the uh, Kafaru pack. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I've, I mean, I, uh, I've had a multi, a number of different companies packs over the years and, you know, they all have their place, you know, it's like anything else. Uh, certain people like certain things, like have features and benefits of a product that, that kind of relate more to them. Uh, but I did switch to the uh, Kafaru uh, duplex light frame which is a 24 inch frame and the striker pack for this year. And, um, I got that pack like I right after at least cause I was in Colorado for Christmas and stopped by far and checked out all their stuff. So I've always heard great things about this pack yep. and, uh, you know, it's like they're essentially bomb proof. And, uh, so I went out and checked them out. I, I liked all the, there's so many options. It's almost overwhelming for people. So, you know, it can be overwhelming. They have so many, so many little options you can get. Uh, but I did want to try out that new pack because that new striker, because for the white tail, it's because it, uh, how it goes onto the frame, you, know, you kind of have this like hammock sling yeah. in between your meat shelf and the pack, which helps a lot, especially with carrying meat, you know, keeping that meat from, Slide now. You know you have that game bag that's boned out. It has a tendency to want to kind of blow out the seams and make it get a little unstable. But also with putting your, you know, I'm I'm primarily a, a tr- lock on tree stand hunter, and I can just slide that thing in there, and you know it just knows where it's going. And it stops there, and I can sandwich it up. and And I believe the the pack on that, I think it strikes like right at two thousand uh, cubic inches. So, um, that's enough. Like I did that video and I had like what I normally do for mid to, you know, going into late season, depending, uh, have what I pack in there. So I'm able to get all that stuff in that little pack and, um, tree stand and put my, I like to put my sticks on the outside and, you know, she's snug. I mean, the one thing I have noticed about their packs is, you know, they have these, buckle system that has like you know most of them i don't know the term but they have the the three little bars that you run you know well theirs has that but also has like a kind of like a um a grabber like a 
imagine like you're saddle hunter the rope and you know the piece that bites in the little um the little cam yep. that kind of bites into the rope i mean they have something very similar to that type of mechanism on a lot of their uh, straps that have a tendency to to work themselves loose like you know if you packed a lot with uh, with most packs like they will you, you're always having to adjust and i haven't had to adjust their pack as much that's good to but, know. Um, yeah, that's awesome because I think, you know, I remember years ago when I was doing the, uh, like a climber and having my, my pack attached to that. And as I'm like walking, it's just, I felt like I was swaying with the pack as I was walking to my, oh, to, yeah. to try to find a tree. Yeah, man. If, and I'll tell you, like, I use a frame pack for all hunts. Like, I mean, I even use a turkey hunting. Uh, if I'm, well, on this turkey hunt, not far, I don't, but like most of the places I go, I'm going to end up getting a few miles back in the mountains up here. Or most, like I said, a lot of areas I hunt are still mountainous, no matter, even outside the state. And just carrying a turkey over your shoulder for a few miles is a pain in the butt, man. Uh, so throwing that thing in that, that, um, frame pack up on that meat shelf makes it a lot easier to get a turkey out. But just how, I mean, if you have any, pound you know like if you have over i i say like over 20 pounds in your pack which isn't hard to do if, if you're carrying a water bladder and stuff like that it just when you have a frame pack with a good waist belt you know and it's you have it fitted right where it's locking over your hips and putting all that weight where it needs to be it just makes it's just that much more comfortable no matter what you know right, right. And, and like we were talking about earlier man if you're i mean if i I'm over 250 yards. I'm breaking a deer down because I'm not dragging that thing that far. <laughs> right. That's awesome. Now, now Jason talk to, you know, looking at, at, at your C1 carbon fiber sticks, I know you have that, that option to have that aider in there. Talk a little bit about that. Cause I think that is just something that separates your stick. You know, I know people will just say, Hey, throw that amp steel aider on or whatever people do. Uh, but to have that little mechanism built right into your stick, I, I just think that is so cool and, and so innovative. Yeah. I, you know, we, um, we were getting a lot of requests and I, I hunt with aider some, I've, I've always just used, um, kind of your traditional climbing aider, you know, two step, they put over the top. But what I didn't like, you know, we want our stuff to be as efficient as possible and uh, not to get hung up when you're, you know, crawling through brush or whatever. Uh, and I'm just looking at ways to be able to hide the aider because, uh, you know, a lot of aiders, if you're using like a, you know, like, you know, I guess it's like a Versa type aider or, um, or, I don't know, there's so many aider terms out now, I get lost, but most of them you can detach and throw in your pack. But some people will put them on every stick and then they wrap them around. That's just something else you got to kind of fidget with in, in the dark, in my opinion. And when you're trying to pack them up to get them out of there, and next thing you know, you got cord or cable hanging out and it's grabbing on branches. So we just uh, found a way just to essentially put it up in the tube where you can just push it up in there when you're done. And then, you know, essentially when you pull it out, it, it, you know, what's holding the aider is essentially our, our through bolt that goes from the, you know, uh, from the step to the setback. Right. Because ours is threaded all the way through. 
so yeah, it works out pretty good uh, for guys that like to use aiders. And I would say 60, 70%, probably 70% of all of our orders that we've received, uh, people are adding those aiders. And it's a, uh, you know, a lot of people use them on all of them. Uh, I will say there's a lot of, our most popular stick is a 20 inch stick. And I would say most of those are getting, you know, if they, most people order three to four sticks, and a lot of them are doing all of them with eighters, which I just use one. I mean, I don't hunt very high. I'm, I'm rarely over, much over 10, 12 feet personally. So I, I just use one on that first, first stick. And, you know, you're talking about Taylor. Taylor's had our stick since March and, he he's a one eighter type guy, but um, yeah, but he, yeah, man, there's he, a lot. He, he's a he is a one eighter guy. <laughs> yeah, um. yeah, he he needs to be aided. Um, yeah, so yeah, I mean, it works out because I mean, it extends extends your uh, you get another essentially like right at thirteen fourteen inches um, of a climbing step, so you're able to add that into twenty inches, so. You know, essentially looking at 33, 34 inches uh, at, you know, 1.4 pounds. So, um, and you compare that to like, you know, your old, older lone wolf sticks, the three steps, you know, those things are well over two pounds. So you get a lot of weight reduction and a more compact um, profile. Yeah. And then we, we offered as well with the 24 inch, which the eighter is just a little bit longer just because. You know, when you push it up in there, you only can go as far as the Versa button before you, you know, you run out of room. Right. Well, and I like too, yeah, I've, I've seen, uh, you know, I talked to Taylor about it and stuff. And uh, what's really cool about your sticks, though, as well, not only just, you know, between the weight, the packability, how they kind of lock into each other, and then you throw in the aider, but the difference of the sound they make compared to, like you were saying, like the old school aluminum is, man, you sound like a, like rattling horns hitting together. <laughs> yeah, I, I talked about that in the video. I was making fun uh, of that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not very, you know, it's not an unnatural noise at all. Right. Um, in my opinion, I mean, people can vary. I mean, everybody has their own opinion. Yeah, I mean, the quietness is, is a definitely a, a key component. Uh, you know, they stack pretty good. I mean, they're not, they're not locked in where right. you don't have to have something to support them, but in my opinion, there isn't anything better at the moment. Well, well, that new lone wolf thing that that packs up pretty cool, but I'm I'm not. I have to try out you know the screw stud things they're doing for their standoff, but you know I'm yeah. sure they're making them. They should probably work, but um, uh, you know if you look at a traditional type stick, I think we have one of the most uh compact. You know, if, if, if for a two-step fix, don't get me wrong. Like, you know, there's if you start moving your steps and um, your setbacks, you know, you can get stuff flatter. But as far as just compacting and for a backpack hunter, I think we have a pretty good product for that as far as being solid. <clears throat> yeah, 100%. Now, talk, uh, you know, one more thing w- with that is, you know, you just mentioned that you really only like to get up like 10 to 12 feet. What's uh, what, what's your reasoning behind behind that one, Jason? Um, well, I mean, most of the terrain I hunt in, like in the mountains, for instance, you never, 
you're never going to get, unless you're on the top of the ridge, you're never going to get higher than deer potentially could be. Uh, and <clears throat> most of my setups, you know, I'm, I'm especially, you know, early up until the rut, I'm, I'm primarily hunting beds uh, right. for bucks and, and I like to get sneak in close and, you know, a lot of times where they're going to be, you're going to have some, uh, thicker, uh, it's going to be thicker, you know, that trees and there maybe depending on what type of terrain you're hunting, the age class is going to be different. So they're not going to be as mature. So you're going to have a lot more branches and stuff. So I try to, you know, pick stuff that setups that can break up my outline more so than me get high because, uh, and it, it's easy to do and I try to hide in the shadows as much as possible I, w- I want to position myself where I, I'm in the shadows most of the time I'm, I'm going to be there um, so by doing that and if you have a good breakup pattern and I guess this is an argument that sometimes I think I have personally with the idea of a saddle is like I want to be as parallel to the tree as I can um, and, and I'm always even my lock-on stand, when I'm hunting beds, especially 90 plus percent, I know where that deer is coming from and pretty much know with when one or two trails, which trail he's going to take. So I'm able to position that tree between us anyway. So I'll, I'll kind of sit, um, set my stand, you know, on the backside of that where I have a tree up there and, and then I want a good outline behind me. And, you know, if you think about the canopy, you, you can get a lot more breakup the lower you are you know, from, from getting skyline, you right. know, especially, especially late, later in the season. Um, the tree, tree is very important, I think, uh, in picking your setup. That's awesome. So, do you, now do you uh, go out and kind of like pre-scout those bedding areas and kind of know, so that way you, uh, can go in there and, and find that, that right specific tree? Uh, no, I mean, around home a little bit, but most of the places I hunt out of state, like I'm usually going in there pretty blind and hunting sign and hot, hot mature buck sign is yeah. where I, I look for. And, uh, I usually try to work the, see where that sign is and backtrack it back to where I think maybe they're, you know, where he's heading at and I look at the map and you can kind of get a couple ideas there. Um, sometimes I bump them you know, and I'm able to go back in and kill them the next day or something. That's what, um, I, that's what I think we're going to be a little bit more aggressive this year with bedding areas. And I think we kind of wait all year long for, to get into bedding to the rut. But for some people like us that are, you know, working normal jobs throughout the week and, you know, we're only be able to get out on the weekend, maybe one or two nights a week for just an hour or two we got to get a little bit more aggressive, especially early on in the season. So that's something that we've been looking forward into as well. Man, I, I, yeah, I, I used to be so scared to bump deer years ago. And when I started getting out of that and just like going in, giving it to all, I mean, like <laughs> I don't, I don't go in like a dummy. Don't get me yeah, wrong. Like right. I, but, uh, I think, uh, my success went up. Um, and I'm not saying always success in killing, but my success for an opportunity of actually getting within that di- a, a distance. Cause sometimes man, it, it's just like they have either a sixth sense or they have like my watching over them too, man. <laughs> like, they, uh, it just sometimes does not work out, you know? Um, but, uh, 
I, I know doing being more aggressive, even if you bump them, if you bump them the first time, unless they really just pe- peg dies on you and smelt you, they're they're set up work. You know what I mean? So yeah. they're going to come back in. You can't go in there and bugger them up a couple times because uh, they're they're going to get out of there. They're just too smart for that. Right. But but you got to think. There's things bumping those deer off those beds all the time. Coyotes, uh, you know, just other things walking through the woods. You know, or they get bears. You know, they get bumped off those beds. So I think people need to really think about that. It's like you're not the only person out there messing up their day. So, yeah. you no, know, and they, awesome. set up, they set up for a reason. Yeah. Now, what do yeah, you, it's still when you, like when you talk about, cause I know you mentioned to going out to Ohio a couple of times, you know, you go in, mm-hmm. in blind and, and you're finding that fresh sign. Are you looking, are you kind of going off of more of a scrapes, more rubs? What's that specific sign that you're going off of? Or is it just, if it's one or the other? Um, <clears throat> Well, you know, like in some of those areas, I definitely like to, I like finding scrapes. I don't necessarily hunt the scrape, but I'll backtrack the scrape. Okay. Uh, and, and I'll, you know, obviously have, I do a lot of internet scouting for some of these trips and I may hunt some of these places a couple years. And so right. I start understanding some patterns, but I've gotten a lot better, uh, at, you know, going to places like last year I went into hunted two states different. I mean, two states I had a hunt before, I hunted West Virginia and South Carolina. And in those two states, I had uh, three, three opportunities on bucks, you know, Pope and Young class or better. Right. Uh, that, that were within 35 yards, but yeah, it's a little bit out of my comfort zone for my bow. Yeah. Um, but uh, I have gotten better at that. And, and by doing that, looking for fresh line, uh, and you know, like with scrapes, for instance, most of the time you're gonna be able to find a track in a scrape uh, if it's pretty fresh. And I can tell by the track he's gonna be mature, and also just how high up he's getting. You know, when he's you know hitting the licking branch and stuff, that kind of give you an idea. And you know, and obviously if there's rubs in that area, you can <clears throat> identify you know age there. I, I don't really always go by size, but obviously if it's a bigger a, a real big tree it's more likely you know a spike can't really do that um but if you see those ones that are just ripped off of the ground like where they've been twisted up that usually tells me it's a pretty good mature buck you know right and so once i find all that i'll just you know kind of pull up the map there and see where i think maybe he's bedding and where he could be or where the does are bedding depending on the time of the year and kind of move in and start investigating a little more, you know, Absolutely. it's just a lot of just sitting and hoping, you know, <laughs> to a degree, um, it's not, it's not a guarantee, but getting a little bit better at it, man. Um, uh, and you know, it's just ex- time and experience. I'll tell you, there's a really a good podcast. I don't know if you guys ever listened to the stick boys, but, um, they had a podcast with, Two, in my opinion, two great woodsmen, uh, Alan Altizer and Nathan Killen. Um, Nathan Killen's like kind of a, for this age, he's probably, in my opinion, one of the better big mountain buck hunters out, you know, like that's getting noticed anyway. Right. right. Um, that, and I, I've got a buddy that I'm hunting with this year, Heath Jolly, who's 
I feel he's he's a really great mountain hunter too. Um, but I mean, just listen to some of the stuff these guys say, and you know, is <clears throat> when you've been doing something, and you hear these guys talk, and you hear a lot of what you're doing, what they're doing, it really gives you more confidence. Right. And, you know, some of these things and how we were talking about setting up, and how, you know, they talk about a lot of that, and it, it's it's just there's a lot of good information out there, man. It's that's the beauty of these platforms, you know, from podcasts is you're able to get information from people that, you know. 20 years ago, unless you knew them or knew somebody that didn't know them, or if they, maybe they wrote an article in the magazine, you would never get this type of information, you know? Right. 100%. And that's something that we, what we love doing this, man, is, is because we have that opportunity to learn some things from you and, uh, you know, what else can we bring to, to listeners and just have that opportunity to meet you? I mean, that's our one, honestly, why we love doing this every week because man, we get a, we get a chance to talk a new hunting topic every single week and it's just so much fun and it blows our mind just because we have that opportunity to do it. And we're very grateful and, and, you know, we love doing it and have that opportunity. So Jason, man, this is, uh, we're wrapping up about that time. So I know we, we, we talked a little bit about that bear hunt, your Alaska hunt. What else does 2020 have in uh, store for you? Um, well, this year I'll get to hunt uh, home. Uh, our season opens early September, yep. so we do get an opportunity on velvet bucks here. So I'm not elk hunting this year, which I last four years I've been elk hunting. So going to Alaska, I'm not going to turn around to right back elk hunting, which I totally wish I could make that happen, but <laughs> I can't. But I do get an opportunity to, to go um, chase some of these early season North Carolina bucks, which I have four different bucks that I know made it from last year that I was chasing last year that I'd love to try to run into in velvet. And then from there I'll be hunting Virginia and West Virginia for whitetail in South Carolina again around Thanksgiving. And I've got a couple other, well, I'm doing that bear hunt with, with, uh, Taylor and Adrian, and, yep. um, which I'm, I probably, I mean, if I'm going to hunt that week, I'm probably going to make either film for them or do something. Um, but I think we may put in a late season hunt to Heath and I and a uh, guy, I don't know, there's another good mountain hunter, I think he's in his 20s maybe, Spencer Green. Uh, we may be going to hunt either Alabama, Arkansas, or Mississippi, like somewhere down south in like January. Okay. So so I may do that. And then I always go back and duck hunt um, like end of January. So awesome, man. that's about it. Not it for me, man. That sounds like a hell of a fun year, and uh, it's a lot of good hunting, a lot of good memories, and good people to do it with. Yeah, yeah. I've got my little boy's turned eleven, so every year he he gains more patience. Yeah. So um, um, he hasn't killed a deer yet, but he's killed turkey. But this year, I've got some really good early season bucks that I think are showing up enough and maybe I can put him on that. So that's, that's a big goal of mine, getting him a deer this year. And, and he really wants to shoot a bear. I've kind of let him tell me when he wanted to shoot a bear. And I can probably easily give him a bear and I can't deer up here. But, <laughs> um, but Heath and I actually going to take him to Virginia and hunt there, which deer population is a lot better in Virginia. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, Jason, the man, thank you so much for coming on. Where could people find you and, and find more about Timber Ninja Outdoors? Um, well, our website is TimberNinjaOutdoors.com, Facebook, we're Timber Ninja Outdoors, also on Instagram, the same, and also YouTube. 
Awesome, man. Well, thank you again every uh, for coming on, Jason. We appreciate it. Best of luck this upcoming year. Uh, everybody, make sure you go follow Jason, what he has going on. It's some amazing stuff. Until next time, everyone, Antler Up. And that's a wrap for another episode of the Antler Up podcast. I want to thank Jason again for coming on and uh, sharing some wisdom with us. And man, best of luck to you. I hope we can cross paths this upcoming year somehow, some way, whether it be in North Carolina or in Tennessee uh, this season. But uh, best of luck to you. And thank you so much for coming on. I hope you all enjoyed that one. If you like what you heard, please go leave us a review. It truly, truly helps us out a lot. Uh, and share with friends too. Like I said, you know, make sure you're checking us out over at antlerupoutdoors.com or YouTube, our Instagram, uh, share it with friends, all that stuff. It, it means the world to us and I appreciate you and best of luck to you this upcoming season. Keep practicing, shooting and, uh, going through those hunting situations, uh, man. And, uh, best of luck, stay safe. And until next time, antler up.